On this episode of Pretty Much Obsessed, Dalton and I are going to talk about Vision number 12, Nighthawk number 6, Silver Surfer number 7, Civil War 2 number 6, Jughead number 10, Miss Marvel number 12, Suicide Squad number 5, and Detective Comics number 943. Beware of spoilers. We'll also have a little discussion about uh, some of our favorite Halloween slash horror type books. And then we're going to be closing out the episode with some wild speculation about the new HBO series Westworld. All that and more on this episode of Pretty Much Obsessed. I'm going crazy because real life sucks and I quit my job because I hate it so much. But I got new books and like they're the best so let's talk about them because I'm pretty much obsessed. Pretty much obsessed. Pretty much obsessed. Pretty much obsessed. Hey everybody, welcome to a very special Halloween edition of Pretty Much Obsessed. Woo! Uh, 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 uh. Uh, this is lame already. I wanted to get the actual like sound effect, but I don't have it, so improvise. We do mouth effects. <laughs> Not going to touch that one. Uh, Which is exactly happy what Halloween. she said. Oh, this is off the rails already. It doesn't take long, does um, it? We don't waste time. No, uh, if, uh, if we got this out in time, then you may be listening to this on Halloween, uh, and if we didn't... we'll get it out in time, won't we? I hope so. If you're listening to this afterwards, it might be a little weird, because I feel like Halloween is one of those holidays that, like, when it's over, it's like, it's it's done. Because it's November then, you know? Yeah, like, everyone's, like, really amped about the spookiness and the costumes and Halloween stuff, but, like, November 1st, like... Yeah. It's done. I always thought... No one wants to hear about Halloween anymore. I've always thought that, like, sometimes, every once in a while, you'll hear about somebody doing, like, a Halloween party or something on, on November 1st, or, like, no. during that those first early days, you know, of November, and I'm always kind of like, eh, no. I don't like it. Yeah, so, I hope you're listening to this the day it comes out. I hope you are a dedicated fan of Pretty Much Obsessed. Well, I, I, they, most, um, they mostly are, right? pretty dedicated uh yeah i think everyone that loves this podcast all uh three thousand of them are diehards yeah i know we have a really loyal fan base they because they look incidentally though none of them have ever tweeted at us which is kind of funny isn't it uh yeah that's that's weird you know i think they're shy i was thinking about Uh, offering a t-shirt to the first person who tweets us something like just one of your t-shirts i actually have a um I think it's Empire Strikes Back graphic t-shirt. It's actually a really cool shirt. It's brand new with the tag still on it in my closet. And I Why don't you want it? I bought it because it was such a cool shirt, but I haven't worn it because I don't feel like I'm a big enough fan. Mm. I'd feel like a poser wearing it. But it was like it was on clearance at Macy's and it was like such a cool shirt and I have I'm I'm a sucker for cool graphic shirts of like geeky stuff you know so i just I, it was like seven dollars so i couldn't not buy it and it like it just happened to be in my size and everything <laughs> but i've just left it up there so tweet at us and maybe chris will give you a shirt maybe <laughs> I, I yeah I, I will flip a coin and if it's if it's heads i'll give you the shirt a trick and a treat uh i like that <laughs> you're you're um, quick today no, I'm not. I I just woke up. Uh, Chris can attest. I woke up from a nap like 30 seconds. Yeah, we ago. almost started the um, show, and then he he was like, "You read you read the vision finale, right?" And I was like, "Uh," <laughs> and check please. So then I had to I had to go read it, and while I read it, he fell asleep. That was like uh, that was like 25 minutes ago. Here's what I asked though, because we're going to be talking about so much Halloween stuff, and it will be embarrassing if you're listening to this in November. If you're listening to this in November, please pause right now and don't listen to this episode until next Halloween. Yeah. Uh, let's talk about some news. What do you got in your news pile, oh, Chris? Oh, uh, well, uh, Tim Miller, who directed the first Deadpool, the well, currently the uh, only Deadpool, this. he's off the project for the sequel now. Yeah, uh, according that's a uh, apparently it's due to creative differences that he has with some of the other people on the film, including Ryan Reynolds. Um, wow, he wanted a bigger budget <clears throat> and wanted it to be a more stylized, like big budget superhero movie. Mm-hmm. And a lot of the people on the project, like I said, including Ryan Reynolds, want to keep it kind of the same tone as the original, where it's kind of like a lower budget, 
and just kind of like funny, um, which I think sounds really smart. I don't know. I I was very lukewarm on the Deadpool movie. Are you serious? Um, yeah, and I don't think it was because of the director. I think it was because of the studio. Um, wow, I really so liked I kinda it. Would've... And I haven't really liked any of the Fox or... I mean, I don't want to say I don't like the Marvel films, but I don't I don't really like them that much. One thing that I don't think we've talked about in the show is that Chris and I have like opposite tastes on superhero movies other than the Batman trilogy. We can agree on those. Yes. Uh the Nolan Batman trilogy, we both like, but we, I love the Marvel movies. We both liked Watchmen, right? I did not like Watchmen. Oh, really? Yeah, I don't like Zack Snyder. I thought I I but we went to see it together. And it was your second time I, seeing I liked it, it, and you were like, "Yeah, man, we're we got to." I liked it in high school Watchmen. when I saw it for the first time, but I've like watched it since, and I'm not as not as gung ho about oh, it. Okay, I remember liking it at the time though when it first came out. I still out. dig it. I know it's not as good as the book. I haven't read all of the book, but I I, I like it. I like that movie. But okay, yeah, um, we have opposite yeah. tastes for sure. I was I was very lukewarm on Deadpool. To me, it felt like all of the try too hard Deadpool comics, where it's like. It just wants to throw as many jokes and be like, look, Deadpool is funny at you as possible. But it was but it funny, didn't... though. The jokes actually I... were funny. Most of them were. Uh, I don't know. I, I thought it tried a little, uh, a lot too hard. Um, and I and so I kind of would like maybe like a departure from the first film that that had more of a, of a balance. Mm. Well, um, you're going to be disappointed. Me, yeah. Uh, for me, it seemed like it was written by Deadpool fans. It like it did a lot of Deadpool fan service, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's a good embodiment of the character. I'm not even a Deadpool fan, but I really like. I mean, I I feel like I sort of am now, but I didn't even really yeah. know Deadpool before I saw it, and I was like, this is this is great. Hey, if it gets people reading comic books, yeah, I'm all for it. Um, and I, apparently, Dave, I. Th- I'm going to try to pronounce this. I don't know how to actually say it, but David Leitch, Leitch, who directed John Wick, apparently met with Ryan Ryan Reynolds about possibly doing Deadpool, but that's not confirmed. He'd be a good match. He'd be a good match for the project. I haven't seen John uh, Wick, but I've heard John Wick is sweet. Yeah, I've heard very good things about it. Yeah. There's going to um, be a Star Trek Alien crossover coming in April. Do you hear about that? What? Oh, is this a comic book? Yeah. Oh, okay, I thought this was like a movie or oh, something. Oh, yeah, I should have like, specified that. How can that, that be true? Yeah, I should have specified <laughs> that. So, yeah. Star Trek Alien. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, Who's uh, publishing it? I guess it's a joint effort between IDW and Dark Horse. I don't know. I, th- yeah, that Those makes are the sense. two companies, I guess, that publish each one. I don't know which book goes to which company, but... Uh, I, I would have... Am- I don't even remember. I was going to guess, but I don't remember. It's going to be written by Scott um, and David Tipton, who are brothers that I've never heard of. Yeah, I'm not familiar with them. And art by J.K. Woodward. Okay. That might be interesting. I'm not really a f- we'll check I'm, that out when it comes I'm out. honestly not really a fan of either of those franchises, but I thought it was still pretty interesting news. And Yeah. It's kind of like sounds... for crossover. It sounds kind of weird and interesting enough that I'm, I actually might read it because it just sounds kind of like, sounds kind of cool. Yeah. Um, I had, this may seem like minor news, but I did get very excited about it. Uh, you know those Funko Pop vinyl figures? Yeah. I have uh, one of Walter White. I'm very, I'm so back and forth on these things because my logical part of me is like, these are so dumb. Why would you collect these? Yeah, they're, they're all just the same complete, cutout. They're completely stupid. But with they're all the same. They're just different skins on them. But at the same time, I have the entire Ghostbusters set. And, like, I still kind of get geeked right. when they announce some of them. And I, I I, don't know what it is. I don't want to like them. But <laughs> every time I, like, go to a store and they have some, like, Funko vinyl figures of, like, my favorite characters, I'm like, ooh, I should get it. Yeah. And I'm like, no, it's stupid. Yeah. Um, but... It was just revealed that in their next wave of Marvel characters, they are including Miss Marvel, uh, the new Miss Marvel, Kamala Khan, uh, which is huge because she hasn't really been in Marvel merchandise. I don't know if you know about Kamala Khan, uh, Chris, uh, but she's sort of like the new Marvel, like, big hero. Like, 
she kind of put Marvel back on the map for new characters. Um, she's a Muslim teenage girl who became the new Miss Marvel um, in 2014, I think it is. And I mean, the comics are just fantastic. And I think they've been selling like crazy. Uh, she's become like the new big young Marvel superhero. Uh, she's in multiple books now. She was on the Avengers this year. Uh, and she still has her, uh, her ongoing book, which is still the same writer that uh, unveiled her uh, all the, a couple of years ago. Um, but I think she's the new Peter Parker. I mean, she's just this amazing character where, you know, Peter Parker, when he came out, he was so different than any other superhero, right? Because he was like a nerdy, a nerdy kid. He was basically the people reading the comic books, right? You know, he wasn't Superman. He wasn't Clark Kent. He wasn't a billionaire like uh, uh, Bruce Wayne or Tony Stark. Yeah. Uh, the appeal of Peter Parker was that he was this geeky underdog that then got these superpowers. When well, he was, um, he was a lot like the people who were reading his stories. Yeah, and I feel like Miss Marvel is doing the same thing for contemporary young people, where she's like, she's this young, shy Muslim teenage girl who writes fan fiction. I wonder and how many obsesses over superheroes. How many um, teenage Muslim girls do you think read comics? A lot more now that Miss Marvel is in the game. Yeah, honestly, yeah, like she's been a huge access point for a lot of minorities and uh people of color and a lot of women into comic books because she's such a strong character yeah. um and she's written by i believe a muslim writer um and the muslim aspects of her life are very authentic and i have loved her comics since day one it's uh my girlfriend who doesn't really read a whole lot of comics right now she still follows miss marvel month to month because it's so good um and despite how much of a like smash hit character she's been, there hasn't been a whole lot of like toy or merchandise uh, of her since she debuted. So for her to get her own Funko figure is kind of huge. And it also comes off the news that Hasbro is releasing an action figure of her in early 2017. Lego is introducing a Lego version of her and some Marvel set that's coming out for Christmas. Um, so she's starting to show up in the toy lines and stuff. And I think all of this, what I'm hoping all of this, uh, is pushing towards is, uh, maybe a cameo from her in the Captain Marvel movie that comes out in a couple of years. Nice. Uh, because there hasn't so yeah, been a new Marvel character that's caught on like Miss Marvel in a long, long time. I don't really, I only recently kind of got acquainted with Captain Marvel, but is Miss Marvel like somehow related? Is there some sort of connection? Yes. So Captain Marvel currently is Carol Danvers, who you're familiar with from the Ultimates. Yeah. Um, before she was Captain Marvel, she was Miss Marvel for decades and decades and decades. She was uh, a hero called Miss Marvel, and Captain Marvel was a guy, oh, okay. um, uh, an alien named Marvel, who is uh, one of the Kree. Um, when he lost the title, Miss Marvel stepped up and became the new Captain Marvel, and that was a big deal because there was a woman now as Captain Marvel. Uh, and that left the Miss Marvel title with nobody, nobody had claim to it. Um, and so when they announced that uh, a Muslim teen was taking over in 2014, it was kind of, it was a big, you know, news cycle thing because, oh, there's going to be a Muslim superhero. You think people at the time uh, when Miss Marvel, Carol Danvers became Captain Marvel, do you think there were people that were like pissed off about it? The way that, probably, the way that mean, they are now? Or, or was that a time before people hated each other the way that they, they currently do? I mean, comic book fans can have always sort of been resistant to, not all comic book fans, I don't want to generalize, but there right. have been a subset of comic book fans that don't like the addition of diversity and uh, change in their comics. Hashtag not all comic uh, book fans. <laughs> uh, which we saw this week. Actually, that brings us to our next news point, which was the Chelsea Kane controversy that happened. Yeah, no, not really a controversy, but it's a good. Chelsea actually, Kane, this is a good um, segue into that. Yeah, uh, Chelsea Kane, who's the writer of Mockingbird, who I talked, which I've talked about on the show before, is one of uh, Marvel's great books this year and just got canceled. Um, the last issue of the comic had a cover of Mockingbird wearing a shirt that said, ask me about my feminist agenda. Just kind of a funny, uh, cool, empowering cover, um, for a funny, cool and empowering book. Are there, are there, um, if I'm sorry to interrupt, but I, no. are there like themes, a lot of themes of that in, in the Mockingbird books? A lot of like, I mean, female empowerment and things like that. 
Definitely. And she talks about like how when she was growing up, you know, uh, Mockingbird talks about how when she was growing up, all the superheroes were these, you know, uh, rich white men. And she was determined to like show that she could be just as good as any of them without superpowers and without, you know, high tech stuff. As a rich white lady. Uh, I mean, as a, as a woman, I don't think she's rich in the, in the comics. Um, but she ends up being like a super spy for S.H.I.E.L.D. And uh, um, so it was a very, very cool book, especially for, I think, a lot of women readers. Um, but this week she was she started getting attacked on Twitter by a bunch of comic fans for uh, for the cover and for her series in general. What's her name again? And she just Chelsea Kane. And she just sort of had enough. And so she quit Twitter. Um, and it brought out a lot of people in the comics community standing in solidarity with her and uh, condemning the people that attacked her. Um, there, is, there are rumors that this all happened in response to the Riri controversy, that some of these, like, you know, uh, awful male entitled comic book readers saw that people got upset about the Riri cover that we talked about last week and that it got pulled, and so they decided to attack this cover that was overtly feminist, um, and it was all just a really ugly situation. Chelsea Kane then posted a blog post the next day saying that the attacks she were, were getting weren't as bad as like a lot of women get on Twitter. She wasn't getting death threats or anything like that, but she was, she's a novelist. She hasn't written comic books before. She's written books and she's written for TV and suddenly she was just like, oh yeah, I'll, I love comics. I'll write comics. And then she's getting suddenly attacked. So now today for, she's probably like, never mind. Yeah, well, it seems like she might leave the industry. It seems like she doesn't really want to write comics anymore because she's never had to deal with a fan base like that, yeah. that like just didn't like her because she was a woman, right. you know? Um, and it's definitely, it can definitely be a turnoff to new creators, you know, that you have like this vitriolic sort of subset of the community that just doesn't think you deserve to be writing comics, you know? Um so, but there was a lot of solidarity. I think the Mockingbird uh, paperback went to number one on Amazon as like the the number one graphic novel after that because everyone was buying the book to support it. Uh, it's a shame because it was already canceled, but hopefully it shows Marvel and it shows Chelsea that readers still want her writing comics. So was the was it canceled before this all happened? Yeah, it was canceled a couple months ago. Okay. Usually, when they cancel a comic book, they let the remaining issues that have already been written come out. You know. Um, but I think we've known for a month or two that the book, that issue number eight was going to be the last issue. Okay. Um, so that was, that was an awful thing that happened this week, but uh, yeah, and I hope Chelsea continues to write comics. You know, I, to some extent, I understand that a lot of fans of comics, they don't turn to comic books to be enlightened or to um, necessarily get into something that has any sort of political agenda. Um, but I also think that like, there's plenty of books out there that don't have that. If, if feminism and And female themes of female empowerment and things like that bother you, or if non-sexualized 15 year old girls, if that bothers you, uh, and I'm referring to the Riri thing there, um, you know, like read something else. Don't, don't fire off mean trolley messages to people because it accomplishes nothing. And actually in the end, it just caused more copies of that book to sell. So stop being an idiot if you're, and they're not being written for, they're not being written for a political agenda. They're just being written by creators that have different stories to tell, you know, like they didn't create a Muslim teen superhero to have an agenda. They did it so that Muslim teen girls would have a superhero they could relate to, you know, uh, it's they're creating uh, comics that appeal to more than just the angry white teen, right. you know. Which I um, I totally believe in that. I totally think yeah, increasing the inclusion so that it's not just you know. I mean, I think having all of our superheroes be white is kind of like sends completely the wrong message. Yeah, it's not a political agenda. It's just making superheroes that speak to everybody. You know. Um, and that's new for comic books for decades and decades. The comic books were meant to represent the white people that bought them, you know? Um, and I'm glad that's starting to change, but it looks like some people aren't going down without a fight. Well, that is people. 
So that's the scary part of our Halloween uh, episode. Yeah. Uh, it's talking about the awful people in the comic book community, but hopefully we don't get. Uh, did you have any other by scary Halloween trolls who don't like our opinion <laughs> on the whole thing? Uh, did you have any other news items? Uh, that was it for me. All right. Um, well, uh, for part of our Halloween special, we thought we would talk about um, some Halloween themed comic books. And do we want to uh, do that first, or do we want spooky scary do stuff? Do we want to talk about? Uh, week like this week's books first. Uh, I guess we can talk about this week's books, and we'll save the Halloween stuff for the end. Yeah. Uh, keep people listening. Yeah. Keep them on their toes. I, f- I feel like that's a good way to do it. Um, this week saw the conclusion of a number of Marvel series. Again, we're in the middle of Marvel now, meaning we've got a lot of Marvel series wrapping up and making way for new series coming out. So, all new, all different Avengers ended this uh this week. Um, as did, I think, uh, New Avengers is close. Uh, we also had a bunch of jumping on points. Miss Marvel, if you are interested in Miss Marvel, because we were just been talking about her, uh, she had a great jumping on point this week with Miss Marvel number 12. It's a standalone story about her going to Pakistan to visit her family. Um, and it was a really, really great touching issue. Uh, so if you're at all interested in Miss Marvel or are interested now that we've been talking about her, check out Miss Marvel 12 this week or even Miss Marvel 13, because this was a standalone story, you should be able to jump in next week too, or next month. Um, but it, this also saw the end of some of my favorite books that Marvel's pun- publishing, uh, including Nighthawk, which I've talked about on here before, which was canceled way too soon with number six. Uh, Nighthawk is the one about Marvel's sort of version of Batman, except this time he's a black superhero in Chicago who is fighting both corrupt cops and a serial killer that is killing corrupt cops. Um, This ended very dark and very violently, Hmm. but man, was it a satisfying ending. Really? Such a satisfying ending. I mean, it wrapped up everything that needed to be wrapped up, which is good because, you know, it was canceled and I would have hated if there were a bunch of like dangling plot threads. But this wrapped up everything and shows uh, Nighthawk finding and stopping the killer who's been killing these corrupt cops while also showing no mercy for those corrupt cops themselves and the people that have enabled it. Um, please everybody buy the trade of this. It's six issues. It will all be collected in one trade paperback probably in the next few weeks. Um, but I encourage everyone to buy this book because not only was it one of the best books that I looked forward to every single month, um, but it was politically important. And I think it's important to show Marvel that, uh, books like these are, uh, enjoyed. Um, cause man, was this, it was dark, it was bloody, it was violent and it was enjoyable and it was funny at times and just really, really, really good read. Um, so check out Nighthawk, and check out the the books from David S. Walker, who's the writer of that series. He's still writing uh, Power Man and Iron Fist, um, and he will be writing Occupy Avengers, which comes out with a number one issue uh, next week. I think I'm probably gonna uh, I'm gonna probably pick up the Nighthawk trade because I've been wanting to check yeah. it out for quite some time, and I'm it's a little you bit should. like bittersweet. Like part of me doesn't want to now because I know I'm probably gonna like it, but then I won't be able to have any more. Yeah. So it's kind of like part of me doesn't want to read it, but uh, I it sounds like something worth getting into and worth supporting. So, And like I said, it was all wrapped up. So it's not like you're going to get into it and then be like, but what happens to this well, person? Yeah, you know, yeah. like it wraps things up and it looks like Nighthawk will be appearing in Occupy Avengers, which uh, like I said, is being written by David Walker. Um, so Nighthawk, Nighthawk will be popping up by the same writer, just not in his own book. Okay. Um, Ultimates number 12 came out this week, wrapping up the first season of the Ultimates. Um, Ultimately, uh, <laughs> kind of a strange issue. Ultimately. Uh, ultimately. Uh, I feel like Ultimates kind of got derailed by Civil War Two, which was really kind of a shame because they were building to such cool stuff. But it seems like all the promise will be continued in Ultimates 2, which, start, which starts next month. So I'm, going, I'm very excited to be picking up with it again. Um, and uh, let's talk Vision. Okay. The final issue of the Vision came out today, which has been... Uh, Chris and I have talked about this. One of our favorite comics are we gonna, out there right now. Are we going to spoil it? I feel like we should spoil it. If you don't want vision spoilers, uh, skip ahead about five to ten minutes because this was a big issue. Uh, you want to give a summary of it? 
I mean, really, if you haven't read it, just pause this right now and go read it and then come back. It's it's the best comic book I've read, maybe. I, I, I don't know how to rank it, but it's unlike any comic I've ever read, and it's so good. Yeah, it's. I mean, it's hard for me to even compare it to anything else because it's so different. It's so much its own thing to me. It, it yeah. doesn't really feel like... I mean, I, I've, never, I've never read anything like that. Um, I... You know, I'm a little bit frustrated. Like, I feel like I want to go back and read everything from the beginning now because it's been, like, a while since I read the last one, and I was kind of fuzzy yeah. on what even had happened last. Yeah, and I think this... Because this, uh, this has been such a tightly written story, I feel like it's one of those stories that's constantly referring back to things that happened in the first few issues yeah. or themes that were established, and I think it would greatly benefit from kind of reading it all in one sitting. Yeah or reading it all together rather than following it month to month. So I'm really excited to go back and read it all together as like one long graphic novel. Yeah, so I feel like I I don't have a ton that I really feel like I want to say about it and I think that's the main reason why is because there's because I really need to refresh myself on on the whole um the whole series, but yeah. It it was a pretty good ending. I feel like they kind of wrapped it up in in a way that because it was at a point where I felt like it had been written into a corner, and I was like, "How are they going to resolve this? How are they? How is this yeah. all this conflict going to resolve?" And I was impressed with how cleanly they they did it. Very cleanly and very emotionally. I got very emotional during this issue uh, when, all right, spoiler here, uh, Virginia dies. Right. I mean that that just full page of the vision just holding her in his arms. Right, which is a and... bummer because I, like I said, I think. I said this in like the first episode when we, when we first talked about the vision, uh, that I was, I kind of had like, I was kind of in love. I was kind of infatuated with Virginia. So it was, it was like, aw. but I kind of also, I kind of also had a feeling she was not going to stick around past this series. Yeah. And you know, she sacrifices herself for the sake of her family to protect her husband, to protect Viv. Um, and then you're kind of left with, the vision, I mean, they started out as a family of four, and now it's just the vision as a single dad with him and Viv. Yeah. Um, which sets up for Viv being in Champions. Uh, which I like. The new team. I, I, I'm yeah. fine with it. As much as I liked all the characters, I liked um, Vin and I liked Virginia, but I think it's pretty fitting and kind of makes sense I f- the way they, they tied it all together and killed off those characters. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and it's so sad because uh vision tells her like you can you can save yourself you know you can just go intangible and let the poison you know fall out of you and she doesn't you know well that would have defeated Um, the purple i mean wasn't the reason she drank it and like to die didn't she want to die right yeah it it was suicide um because she wanted to uh you know uh protect the visions she she basically confessed to everything that that the vision had done um, and told everyone that it was her fault, that she was responsible. Um, and, uh, then she takes her life and it's just, it's just really sad because, you know, the whole theme was like, they were, they were this family of, you know, androids that were just trying to live normal lives and they just couldn't. I believe the correct term is synthesoids. Synthesoids. I'm sorry. I couldn't think of it. So I said androids. My apologies. Um, but yes, please everyone go and read the vision. Uh, fantastic finale. I'm really upset that there's not going to be more, but at least Tom King is still out there writing good series. Like Batman. Like Batman. Which I can't wait for next, uh, well this, this coming Wednesday. Um, yeah. Oh, what was I going to say? So when she calls the police and, and confesses to all the yeah. stuff to, to get vision off the hook. Yeah. And he says, "Can you conf- can? Is there anyone who can confirm all of this?" And she says, "Yes, I can." How does she confirm it? Um, I'm trying to look back over it. I didn't really get uh, that. It was it was lost on me. I'm not sure. Maybe she's just saying like, "I am confessing." Like, maybe maybe that's it. Like, well, she's then just she saying, says something about she uploaded her confession. So, yeah, I don't know. That's a little bit Maybe foggy she, for me. like, yeah, I'm trying to see. 
maybe yeah i'm not actually sure i'd have to go through and uh yeah maybe i'd have to go back and reread it. i'm not sure i i mean i just took it as like i mean they would believe her just because she confessed i'm not sure we'll have to tweet it tom king yeah what happened in this book uh, tom <laughs> um but man this was a really great series yeah it was good i don't know if we're gonna see anything like this in marvel comics for a while yeah, safe to say we won't since Tom King is now exclusively on DC, right? Yeah, but even over there, you know, he's kind of, he's not writing a book like this. You know, he has to write a conventional kind of superhero book. Yeah. Any other, I guess, any other Marvel titles? We'll, we'll do those um, first. I want to touch on two more really quickly. Uh, Civil War Two number 6 came out this week. Uh, and I'm still so conflicted on Civil War Two because I'll tell you, this was a really good issue but I'm angry that it's still going on. Okay. Like these needed to come out so much faster than they're coming out. I have no problems with the story. Like this was a great issue about like, you know, the consequences of this predictive justice thing. It's all very interesting, but we're at the point where all these titles are coming out now that take place after civil war two. And we've got two more issues of this damn thing to come out. Like it won't be done until December at least probably end of December okay and we're already in the books that take place afterwards so it's tough to really give myself into enjoying it when I'm already reading about the aftermath you yeah, know so, and we still so, don't know what happens it's so strange how they're doing that but I, I assume it's just delays you know it was probably supposed to be done by now but there have been shipping delays and stuff but it's really good I, I recommend it Civil War 2 has been consistently way better than it has any right to be um <laughs> But, uh, man, I can't believe it's still going on. I can't believe we still have two more issues. Um, I'm excited to see what happens. And that's part of it is, like, I really want to know what happens. I'm really invested in how it's going to turn out. Yeah. And now I'm following before the resolution of it and after the resolution of it, but I still don't know what goes on in the middle of those. So okay. that's frustrating. Uh, if you're looking for something that's not frustrating, it's really fun. Silver Surfer number seven this week, a standalone story. Uh, this is also a great jumping on point for Silver Surfer, which has consistently been one of the best Marvel titles out there, written by Dan Slott, uh, with art by Michael and Laura Allred. Um, this issue is all about uh, the Silver Surfer and his partner Dawn go to a gambling planet and gamble everything, including the Silver Surfer's surfboard and the Power Cosmic. Uh, and it's just a really... It's a really fun and uh, clever and really inventive issue. Um, Silver and Surfer have a history of that sort of recklessness? No, it's like a, a planet that like uh, sort of encourages people to make those kinds of decisions. S- seduces you yeah. much the way uh, Las Vegas does here on this planet. Yeah. This is this was such a good standalone. I, I said earlier, my girlfriend doesn't read a lot of comics regularly except Miss Marvel. But every once in a while, I'll hit an a, a issue where I'll just have to be like, you have to read this right now. I did that with the issue of The Vision with uh, the Scarlet Witch memories. I was like, you have to read this comic book right now. And I did that for Civil War, or uh, not Civil War, Silver Surfer number seven. I was like, read this comic book. It's so good. You'll love it. Um, so uh, I recommend that. Cool, cool. But yeah, that's it for the Marvel side this week. Next week's going to be a huge week. We have Avengers number one. We have Unworthy Thor number one. We have Uncanny, or uh, I'm sorry, uh, Occupy Avengers number one. A lot of big new uh, Marvel Now titles coming next week that I can't wait to read. Are you expecting Avengers 1 to be good? I am so stoked about Avengers 1 because the art is by Mike Del Mundo, who I think is the best artist working in comics right now. Nice. His art is so crazy and dynamic and amazing. And I've only seen him on like little niche books in Marvel. I've never seen him on like a main title like Avengers. And so for him to get that job is just incredible. Um, and it's being written by Mark Wade, who's been writing Avengers for the last year or two and has been doing a really good job. Um, so I'm really excited about the new Avengers lineup. Okay, cool. Yeah. Uh, I read Detective Comics this week, number... How is it, Post-Monster Men? Number 943. It's pretty good. I liked it. It's kind of setting up, you know, what's about to happen now. Uh, We've got some new villains that I think just came out of nowhere. I think these are inventions of, for this new arc. These are brand new characters Mm -hmm. called the Victim Syndicate. Okay. They're led by... uh, I mean, it's just completely unclear right now, like, 
who they are and what they want, but their leader is like this really creepy looking, like um, the costume design looks kind of like Orphan, who actually is a ma major character in, in these books. Um, but he's always got like blood on him and stuff, and he just looks really creepy and uh, just a very menacing looking villain. And then there's part, part one of the members of his team is this guy who like, I think what he does is he like, shoots some kind of airborne virus at people and just kills them instantly. Okay. And it's it's pretty pretty dirt nasty, man. Um, <laughs> it, it wasn't a super exciting issue, but I think it's going to get better. And also, I've enjoyed Clayface as a character. He's a he's a main character in these books, which you'll know yeah, from. Yeah, he was in Monster Man, I remember. Yeah. So that's pretty good. I also read Suicide Squad, I think it was number five. How is that? How's that coming along? It's getting better. Yeah? Yeah, I was getting close to wanting to like give up on it because uh, nothing was really happening and it was kind of boring, but this last issue was actually I found pretty interesting and <clears throat> there was an I think it was la just this last issue number 4 where they fought Zod and I talked about that. Yeah. Because he was like imprisoned in some kind of like they they had to like break into remember how you I, I think you read where it was setting this up and they had to break into some kind of prison thing and get some some super powered item like weapon that was being stored yeah. there and Waller wasn't telling them what it was and I remember you complained about that you know like that the storytelling yeah. wasn't very good and they just have to get, it wasn't giving you any information yeah yeah well it turns you just out had to go on faith that it was going to be interesting it turns out that the thing. Actually, the thing itself that she had them go to get might have been the character hack, now that I think about it. I'm not even really totally clear on what the actual thing was. But so they, they bring back Hack, who is this like Harley Quinn obsessed um, supervillain who can transform herself and basically anything around her into digital information and transmit okay. it like wherever she wants. Like she just has complete control over everything digital. Mm -hmm. And uh, so they bring her back. And then they also get this, like, phantom zone orb that General Zod is trapped inside. And they brought that back to Belle Reve, too. And now Waller is trying to figure out how she can start using Zod as part of the Suicide Squad. Hmm. So... That could be cool. Yeah. So I'm actually interested to see where that's going, because I think it's going to be good. That's fair. Um, anything else from DC this week? Uh, I was pretty busy this week, so I didn't get around to reading very much. I think those were the only two, uh, DC books that I read this week. Um, because we're going to be talking a lot of Archie in our Halloween section, spoiler alert, uh, I won't go too into, into detail about Jughead number 10, uh, but I will say I was laughing out loud by myself in my apartment reading that comic book. It was so funny. Okay. Um, I, I railed about Jughead number nine last month, though, so I won't go into detail. Was number man. nine, wasn't there a jumping on point recently? Number nine was the jumping on point, okay. yeah. They switch writers, they switch artists. Uh, so Jughead has sort of had like this little mini reboot here with Jughead number nine. After you got uh, me to read this Ar Ar this Archie like Halloween book and then the, the yeah. Sabrina book, I'm starting to kind of feel interested in... <laughs> In so the that's exactly is, what happened to me. Which is like, that is, so I feel like such a dweeb, but it actually is like, it's pretty, it's pretty cute. It's, it's like oh my God, this good. is, this, this is deja vu. <laughs> so let me tell you, we're going to, we're transitioning to our Halloween talk, but this is when I first got into comics, like three years ago, I had a friend uh, who was my girlfriend's roommate at the time. Uh, who was really into comic books, and he loved Archie comics specifically. He was like a huge... I mean, he liked DC, he liked Marvel, but he loved Archie, and he followed Archie comics, you know, all that kind of stuff, and I was like, man, that is so lame. Like, I remember Archie comics in the checkout aisle of the grocery store, yeah. and like reading them when I was eight, and you, Betty and Veronica and Jughead, yeah, it was dumb. And so I was not into it. But then I heard about this series called Afterlife with Archie, which is like, oh, what if the zombie apocalypse came to the Archie town of Riverdale? And I was like, that could be fun. So I read it and I, re I was like, oh, this is this is pretty good. How old is it? And then 
It's so Afterlife with Archie only has like maybe two or three new issues a year. Oh. So it's been coming out since for probably maybe three, three or four years now. But and it's only a, 10 issues. It's a continuing story though. Yeah, it's a continuing story. It just comes out very infrequently. Same thing with Sabrina. Does it um, come out around Halloween time or is it just... There's usually always a new issue around Halloween and then a couple other issues throughout the year. Huh, okay. Yeah. Um, but Afterlife with Archie was my gateway back into Archie. And then I read like this crossover called Archie versus Predator, which was about Predator uh, coming to Riverdale and like ripping people's yeah, spines Yeah, I remember you telling me about this. Yeah. Uh, and then they rebooted Archie with those new Archie books, Archie and Jughead, and they've they drew me in. They're good. Okay. So I am I am an Archie fan now. Uh, but let's talk about those books. As uh, part of our Halloween thing, I recommended Chris read Afterlife with Archie, which I just talked about, and The Chilling Adventures of Sabrina, which is also by Archie Comics about Sabrina the Teenage Witch, but very much a dark horror take on Sabrina the Teenage Witch. Um, and I only what read did you th- I only read the first issue of Sabrina. Yeah. And it didn't you had told me like it's dark and kind of like horror looking and whatever and I yeah. I didn't really get that much of that, but I also really? don't I don't know what Sabrina's normally like either, so Well, I mean, do you remember the Melissa Joan Hart yeah. TV show? I mean, yeah, vaguely. I mean Sabrina's just kind of been like this comic like Bubblegum. witch character like yeah, like oh the 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 pain of being a high school witch. You so it's know? not and like it's not normally really dark at all. No, it's usually pretty lighthearted. Oh, okay. You know, it's uh, it's like it's in the same kind of tone as like Archie and Jughead. You know, okay. uh, except she has magic powers. Um, so there's two horror series right now from Archie Comics: Afterlife with Archie. I didn't read Sabrina until this year, and I just got the paperback of the first five issues of Sabrina. And Afterlife with Archie is dark and it's violent. And there's did you, did you just read one issue? Yeah, yeah. There's ten so far. When did Chilling it's, Tales of Sorry to change the subject, but I just no. Gotta, when did Chilling Tales of Sabrina start? After the runaway success of Afterlife with Archie. So, so is it the probably, same kind of deal? Like it comes out a few issues a year. Yeah. Okay. There's six, currently six issues of Sabrina and ten of Afterlife with Archie. Okay. Uh, but. After reading these first five issues of Sabrina, it is dark, man. Like, it, I generally don't think comic books are scary. I think it's a tough medium to be scary in uh, because the art automatically distances you from what's going on. Like, I feel like novels can be scary because you're imagining what's happening. So it's all in your mind. And movies can be scary because it's actual people that you're seeing. But with comics, there's, like, this art layer between you where, like, everything is now separated. And it's, like, it's it's a different kind of representation. And so it's easy to to separate it from um, from being scared of it in a yeah. real sense. Yeah. Uh, but this Sabrina book terrifies me. Huh. It's... Uh, and I think it's because the art is very dreamlike. Like the art is all these just sort of like line sketches with like faded colors. And so it seems more dreamlike than an actual representation of like people. And so when things happen, like there, she has her like, you know, a 16th birthday and has to like pledge her blood to satan and satan shows up in this ritual and then the witches are like going after harvey and they're bringing people back from the dead like it's all dark and really scary i don't think afterlife with archie is scary i love it because it it satisfies all of my like horror tropes you know and it's got people dying and like but for me it's more pulpy than it is actually scary but uh I think what, what did you think about it? I think reading Sabrina, the first issue of each. Sabrina, I think I'll continue reading. I don't know about Afterlife with Archie. It didn't really hook me at all. Okay. It was I was kind of whatever about it, but the Sabrina story actually is like a good story, and I've only read one yeah. issue, and I'm already kind of like I feel kind of invested in it. Yeah, I think Afterlife with Archie. This the strength of it is like oh, how cool is this that we've got this actual bloody Walking Dead type story with Archie characters. Right. But a lot of it is relying on you enjoying that premise. While Sabrina does go, it's just a solid horror ghost story. You yeah. Know? And so you don't have to have any attachment to the characters to really love it. Right on. Um, 
Uh, but I still love Afterlife with Archie. I think it's a lot of fun and, and it's pulpy and violent and, uh, there's some weird incest stuff that comes into play later. Like it's really dark takes on these characters. Like Mm. he really kind of goes all out with making it a sort of unnerving as possible. Um, and, uh, you find out later that like Josie and the pussycats are like ancient vampires that are hundreds of years old that like, uh, and so it's, it's these really funny kind of horror takes that still aren't still live in the horror genre without being parody. Um, but Sabrina is is mind fucking. <laughs> it's like it's quotable, it's, very very good quotable moment. It mess. I I just finished it today on the train, and I couldn't believe some of the stuff I was reading. I was like, oh man, is this dark? All right, uh, I, I'm I'm gonna check it out. I'm gonna light some candles later and put on some spooky, like some post eighties post punk music, and yeah, just sit in the just, dark. And, and read it. Read it all, yeah. I just went last week. I went to my local comic shop and just picked up the trade. Um, and uh, so I still haven't read issue six. I've only read the first five issues. Um, but I'm so glad I did it before Halloween because it really got me in the in the spirit. Nice. Um, any other, uh, what are your favorite Halloween comics? Um, so I didn't, I when I first had the idea to talk about spooky Halloween comics, I realized that I've never really read any. So I thought it would be fun to pick one up that I've been meaning to read for a long time, which was Batman the Long Halloween. Oh, you haven't read Long Halloween before? No, it's pretty pretty classic. Have you read it? Yeah. Oh, wow. I'm surprised uh, because you've not really read a lot of Batman at all. I've read read a lot of the classic graphic novels, though. Um, I have Long Halloween at my parents' place in Michigan somewhere. Okay. Yeah, so I've been reading that, and I really like it. It's already like you know it's the the narrative kind of style is different like noticeably different because you know most of what i've read and obviously like what i'm reading now has been like more current like modern stuff and i think comics Mm -hmm. have changed a bit you know they they continue to change and evolve um so there's moments where you kind of have to like overlook things that don't feel quite the same as like what you're used to if you're used to more current stuff um, yeah. but I really like the story. I like the way they depict Batman in it, like this kind of like version of Batman. And, um, it seems like it's not really canon, right? It's kind of like its own standalone thing. I'm not <clears throat> sure. I'm actually going to look it up right now. I'm also trying to remember who wrote it. Oh, I have the name here. Hold on. Um, oh, it's Jeff Loeb. Okay. Yeah. Um, good old Jeff Loeb. I'm pretty sure it's not canon because the Joker shows up eventually and people talk about him like they've never heard of him before. Uh, let's see. Yeah, it looks like it's... So it looks like it is canon, but it takes place just after Batman Year One. Huh. So it, it takes place, like, before most Batman stories. Like, it's closer to his origin. Because I... Th- well, I thought that the events depicted in The Man Who Laughs were canon. Um, that I'm not sure. I'm just seeing on Wikipedia, in continuity terms, The Long Halloween continues the story of Batman Year One. Hmm. It also revolves around the transition of Batman's rogues gallery from simple mob goons to full-fledged supervillains. It also tells the origin of Two-Face. Yeah, okay. Well, I knew knew that the Two-Face origin was coming. I haven't got that far yet. But that's another thing that I was going to say, is like, if it's canon, then that means that this is where Two-Face came from officially. Yeah, it looks That's like it. Interesting. Um, yeah, so I've been really digging it. There's a lot of, uh, as you'll know, a lot of Carmine Falcone and Maroney stuff, and that's kind of what mm-hmm. it all centers on. I'm just kind of going over it for people that haven't read it. Um, well, it's also been a long time since I've read it, so I'm not sure that, you know, okay. uh, I necessarily remember everything. Yeah, and it so it revolves around there's, this, there's some killer who keeps murdering people on holidays, and nobody can figure out who it is, and it's just going on for like months and months. And it, each like chapter is like is a new holiday. Like it says at the beginning, like Thanksgiving, Christmas, Valentine's Day. It'll like have a, a new page where it starts the new thing, and uh, and then at the end, like somebody gets killed, and 
Batman's getting really frustrated because he's the world's greatest detective and he can't figure out who this killer is that they start calling him just Holiday. And you mm-hmm. go through like all these different pages where he's thinking about who it might be and you're seeing that person like in Batman's little like thought thingy, like his little, like he's imagining all these different people like Harvey Dent, um, Falcone's son, I think is one of them that he's like, he's theorizing about who it might be. And I'm, I'm really like dying to find out who it is now. So, and also the art in it is really, really good. It's really different, really like really different from any other Batman book that I've read. The art is by Tim Sale, colors by Gregory Wright. And I don't really know those guys from anything else, but they did a really good job on this. It's a really like surreal um, style, but still feels kind of gritty and grounded at the same time. Yeah, it's quite an interesting balance that they were able to strike there. So I yeah. uh, I like the book. It's not super spooky. I'm starting to kind of wonder why it's called the Long Halloween because it it's not really any creepier than any other Batman story. Well, I think it's just the uh, the first killing is on Halloween, right? Yeah, and it's thir- it's thirteen issues, so I think the last one is also on Halloween. I think the last issue takes place on Halloween. Okay, yeah. So I think the idea is just like. Uh, the first killing starts on Halloween, and then it lasts an entire year. Yeah. Uh, and the whole year felt like Halloween because there was a spooky unnamed killer, I guess. Yeah. And Not it's funny like how a, a horror comic, but like right, still in the spirit. And uh, it's kind of it's kind of a funny version of the Joker in this book because he's not really as brutal as the Joker that we have now. Right. Like he doesn't kill people all the time like he does kill people but it's not like the i feel like the current joker like just kills people just without even thinking about it like he kills people the way like it's the same as breathing for him and this well, joker's a yeah, little I more think the merciful joker's been evolving uh, into being a, a lot more violent and crazy especially since the movie yeah since the dark knight yeah um and there's a part where he breaks into some people's houses, house on Christmas Eve and, like, steals their Christmas, like, Grinch style. Yeah. And he just leaves them all there. And he's just, like, leaving. And he, like, ties them up and just, like, takes all their stuff. And he's, like, making little jokes about how he's, like, the Grinch. And <laughs> I was like, okay, the Joker that I know, I feel like, would have definitely killed those people. <laughs> And it almost is like, why didn't he? You know, <laughs> it's like, who are you, and what have you done with the Joker? But it's it's still cool, and he's just like mad. Like his whole purpose in the book is just that he's mad that there's like another killer around Gotham because he wants to be like the big name that everyone's talking about. So he's trying to mm-hmm. find he's trying to find Holiday too because he wants to kill him so that he can have the spotlight back, which to me is kind of in line with with the Joker that I know that narcissistic yeah. megalomaniacal personality. Yeah. Well, yeah. Uh, I, I'm trying to think of other great horror comics. I've always been a big fan of the man thing. I've talked about this. Uh, my band actually has a song called man thing. Oh, no kidding. Uh, it was a Marvel sort of horror character. I think I've talked about him on here before. He's kind of like swamp thing. Uh, People sometimes say that Man-Thing was like a rip-off of Swamp-Thing, but they actually debuted around the same time. Okay. Uh, Swamp-Thing was DC and Man-Thing was Marvel. Uh, and it seems like the creators were friends and neither of them really ripped the other person off. They just kind of both came out around the same time. Um, but Man-Thing's whole thing was uh, he was the guardian of the nexus of all realities, which was like in the swamp where he lived. And as long as Man-Thing was in the swamp, he could, like, regenerate and, like, he couldn't be harmed. Uh, And um, his power was, like, anyone that knows fear burns at the touch of Man-Thing. So if you were afraid, if Man-Thing touched you, it would be, like, acid. Um, And so it's ripe for horror comic potential, you know, because people go into the swamp and they see the creature and they get scared and he attacks and he burns them and, you know... Uh, Steve Gerber, I believe, uh, is the name of the writer who had like the definitive man thing run back in like the seventies. Um, so if you're looking for some like old school pulp, uh, comics, go back and check out some old man thing comics. Uh, cause those are always a lot of fun. Cool. Have you ever read Swamp Thing? 
I haven't read a lot of Swamp Thing. Okay. That's one that I've been meaning to. That and uh, Hellblazer. Yeah, Hellblazer, uh, which had a pretty great run with Steve Dillon on Art, R.I.P. And actually, Hellblazer just was relaunched as part of Rebirth. Yeah, I heard so about that. I've been meaning to take a dive into that. Maybe I'll yeah. talk about that one next week. I'm not sure when, like, what the release schedule is for Hellblazer, but... I need to go pick up issue six of Sabrina because I'm loving how scary that series is. The The tough part with those series is I always want there to be more, you know, because they only come out two or three times a year. Yeah. But when they do come out, they're usually pretty big issues and they usually have a lot of story in them. I see. Um, so it's, it keeps me in anticipation. You know what? You really should play, uh, you, you really should play the Batman, the, the Telltale series. Episode three heard, yeah. just came out. And I kind of, I've started it. I'm actually, I'm hoping to play the rest of it tonight, but man, that, that game like really gets you. It's like, an, it's a really emotional experience. Yeah. Um, I guess I won't talk about it cause I don't want to spoil it for you. I mean, I could say spoiler warning and then talk about spoilers, but I don't want to spoil it for you cause I want you to play it, but yeah. it's just, it's, it's unlike anything I've really ever ever done or played because it makes you feel so like because it it forces you to constantly be making these decisions about what to say to people and um yeah I I don't know there's not very much I yeah. can say without spoilers but <laughs> you should check it well, out I don't know if there's if there's a platform that you can play it on I'm not sure if it's on Mac It would have to be my iPad I think uh, yeah yeah wouldn't bother um, well, we're just about out of time, but I know you want to talk a little bit about Westworld. Yeah. I mean, I don't really have too much to say about Westworld right now. And also it's kind of unfortunate not- because we're recording like right, like there's going to be a new episode on in like a couple hours. So Tonight, yeah. anything we say about it is going to be immediately like not really interesting anymore. <laughs> like by the time we get this uploaded... It's people, like, probably any, like, there's a very good chance that questions I have about it will be answered very soon, so. Right. Um, it's a good show. I'm still, like, frustrated about, like, some of the plot holes that I, or perceived plot holes that I mentioned before, but I also think they're going to be resolved. I, I think they will, too. It's, but we've talked about this before, about how we have questions about, like, how do the guns work? Yeah. Like, how can they possibly work? And how do you keep the guests of the park from attacking each other? Right. That's my you biggest know? number one thing is like, I would not go because like when you see in that one episode where the guy stabs that host, like puts the knife through his hand on the table and he's just yeah. like bleeding out. Like, how would, how would I make sure that doesn't happen to me? Cause nobody's even going to know if I'm a host or not. Cause everybody looks yeah. the same. Everybody's dressed the same. Yeah, we know now that you can't be shot yeah. and you can't uh, be exploded because apparently, like those, like explosives have to get approved by the people controlling things. But nothing's to stop someone from just beating you up or stabbing you or something. Right. I mean, and accidentally, you know, thinking that you're a host or something. Oh, how about? Uh, oh, go ahead. Well, it it just I did not really have a problem with those things because I just felt like they were going to get explained, but it feels like it's been a long time and we need to yeah, have that stuff clarified. That's my thing is like, I've spent four hours of my life watching this show now, which is longer than, you know, like any movie that I watch. Yeah. Um, and it's, yeah, it's been going on kind of long for me to still have these big questions. The other thing is like, I think it was the first episode where there's a family there and they have their kid there. Yeah. And so we're supposed to understand that this is a place that if you want to have like a wholesome, like a good family vacation, you can do that. Like that's one of the options for what you can yeah. have your experience be at Westworld. But who would ever take a kid there when yeah. you can literally just gruesomely murder these identical to human, you know, these androids, like whenever you want, wherever you want, in whatever yeah. way you want. Like any kid would be just like ruined for life by that, right? Yeah, I agree. But then maybe it's like how kind of... Because people probably would have said that about video games, too, like a long time ago. Yeah. And now we've I, got kids playing Grand Theft Auto. And and I'm sure, and I'm sure, like, you know, when they go to the park, like, they're probably, like, predetermined, like, these are the kid-friendly things to go. Like, here's a nature walk that's kid-friendly. Or, like... But there's yeah, still but no guarantee that, like... Yeah, but if the man in black that, like, shows up... Yeah, your nature exactly. walk just got really gross, like real ugly. 
Yeah. It's all like up to the other guests, you know? Um, so that is strange. I mean, I, I am loving the series and I look forward to every episode and I think it's introducing some really cool mysteries, but those do seem like just kind of like basic, like how does this park actually work? that it seems it's gone a long time without it telling us. And maybe that's because it's going to end up being key to some of the mysteries and they can't let us know because it would, you know, reveal other things. But it's a, it's a little weird where it's like, we, we get to see through like William's eyes, what it's like going to the park for the first time, but that still doesn't really explain to us how the park works. Do you think that, well, did you ever watch that theories video that I sent you? That Nerdist. No, I didn't. Okay, so Nerdist yeah. News did a really good video uh, with Jessica Chobot about some of the popular theories on the show right now. And one of the big ones is, and I started to wonder this. Actually, I'm not sure if this is one that she talked about or if this is just one that I started wondering. But if uh, one of the, like, somebody that right now we think is a human is going to end up being a host. Yeah. Like the man in black, perhaps. Although I think it's confirmed at this point that he's not because there was that guest in the park who knew him from outside of the, who knew who he was. Right. Um, and, but, uh, there, there are some, uh, th- some of my friends think that, uh, Bernard is a host. That's what I was going to say. I think yeah. he's like prime suspect. I don't think he's a host though. I really don't. I think he wants to be a host. I think he like, he wants to be able to forget his son's death because I think it causes him too much pain, and so he envies the host for their ability to forget. I think he is a host, and he has no idea that he's a host. And he probably does want to be a host, and doesn't even know that he is one. That, that'd that be pretty trippy. Because that's like that's the kind of guy that, I don't know the character's name, but Anthony Hopkins. I want like, it to turn out that Anthony Hopkins is a host that was built by Albert. Arnold. Isn't that his name? Arnold. Arnold. Yeah. I want Anthony Hopkins to be a host that was built by Arnold to carry I on would the act- park. Yeah. I would actually buy that because there's all these moments where he can just like like move his hand or whatever and somehow it like makes everything stop. Yeah. Which you'd think you'd need some kind of hardware, like a remote or something. Like I understand that he's like basically God because it's his park and he built it all and whatever, but still yeah. like it seems a little weird that like he could just like wave his hand and make stuff like that happen. So yeah. it actually would kind of make sense if he is a host and it's something that he's able to do digitally. Yeah. There, what we'll what else? Oh, there was a there theory. Was a big... There was one. Okay, go ahead. I think. Well, there might... was a big theory after issue th- or issue. I'm in comic world <laughs> uh, after episode three that William's storyline took place in the past and that William was actually the man in black. That's what I was going to say. Yeah. Um, but that was disproved in this most recent episode when uh, Dolores runs from getting attacked by the man in black right to William, um, which okay. pretty much concretes that William is doing this at the same time the man in black is out doing his. Adventures. I heard that that, that that theory was debunked by the episode, but I can't remember, like I haven't gone back to watch it to like witness yeah, that for myself and put two and two together. But is it absolutely conclusive that that's happened? Like, could it be that? I mean, it seemed very conclusive to me because uh, she goes to William after she shoots the guy in the barn. Remember, she like, she shoots the guy that's attacking her, the host that's attacking her. Yeah. Then she runs off. She runs into William and William is like sort of protecting her while they go to try to round her up and put her back on on track. Is the man in black there then when she shoots that guy in the barn? He's not there, but she has the memories during that of him attacking her from the first episode. Okay. While she's shooting that guy, she has the memory of uh, the man in black attacking her in episode one. Okay. Yeah. I wanted uh, William to be the man in black. I actually I really wanted, liked it. I, liked I wanted idea. the man in black to be uh, Arnold, but at this point, that also seems like it's not the case. I wouldn't rule it out, but... It's, I, yeah, it's not necessarily ruled out, but because I'm I, less confident about it. Yeah, I, it doesn't really seem like it would make sense because Arnold is the one who built the maze, and the maze is what the man in black is obsessed exactly. with finding. Exactly. So, but I do think Arnold will, like, maybe be in it or something. Like, I think there's there's definitely something there. He's actually alive. 
or or I don't know, I don't know, or maybe there will be mm-hmm. like a host version of him that has all this stuff is going to get answered in tonight's episode. I know. And everyone listening to this thinks we're idiots. I know, <laughs> I know. It's funny. Um, well, a lot of people probably don't listen this far into the episode anyway. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that'll do it for this episode of this spooky Halloween episode. There was something else I wanted to say about Westworld, but it's escaped me oh. now. But we'll 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 talk about it again. Um, yeah, we'll be talking you, about more Westworld. Do you did you do anything spooky for Halloween over the weekend? Not really. Uh, did you have a costume? Just, I didn't this year. Wah, wah. I think this is the first year I haven't had a costume. Bummer. Uh, my band just released an album this week. Uh, for the listeners uh so it's been a crazy week we've should been playing we, a lot of shows should we plug your band here on the podcast or do you not we want to do that? plug it i i'm in a band called dalton deshane and the traveling show we just released a new album called roberta uh which was released as a book because i'm a nerd so i actually wrote like a short story and we published it as a book and the book includes a download code for the album so when you buy the album you're buying a book and a download code and uh it's it's really cool it's a, it has it, illustrations yeah, it's, it's an amazing project that he's put together uh the songs yeah. are really really catchy really cool um storytelling in the songs that connects to the stuff in the book it's like i, I don't know how this this guy comes up with this stuff but you should definitely oh, check shucks. it out yeah, tweet you can to uh, him or, or check out his tweets at Dalton DeShane for his yep. all his latest info. The album's on all the streaming services now, Spotify and Apple Music and all those. And uh, you can listen to it on our website, daltondeshane.bandcamp.com. Uh, it's all up there. But the last um, thing but... I, w- I wanted to mention was um, I went to see Bass Nectar in Grand Rapids last night, and it was kind of like a giant Halloween party. And... That's right. Your <clears throat> costume. Bass Nectar, for those who don't know, is a DJ who comes to Grand Rapids every year for a two-night uh, event where he does, you know, his music and stuff, and it's like a big... It was at the... Um, oh, what's it called? I can't think of the name of where it was called. Anyways, it was a huge event, uh, and I got to debut my Hugo Strange costume, which I was really excited about. Uh, he tweeted a picture of it uh, at P Much Obsessed. If you want to check out the uh, picture of the costume, yeah. So all the more reason for you to mosey on over to our Twitter page. Yeah. Follow and us, tweet us tweet at us, tell us things you want us to talk about. Maybe you'll win a T-shirt. <laughs> and, and I think uh, that wraps it up for this week. Yeah. Have a happy Halloween. Uh, eat too much candy. Uh, tweet us pictures of your costumes and. Uh, We will talk to you guys next week. Bye, guys. Have a good week. Bye.